With the new X series of scratch-offs from the New York Lottery, you can multiply your winnings up to 100 times. The X series from the New York Lottery. It's a better way to multiply. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. Please play responsibly. On this week's episode of Bill's Pod Squad, Chris Brown and Eric Wood join me to break down the 2021 Bill's schedule. We get into the matchup we are most pumped for, who's a sneaky good team on the schedule, how to convince your family to have Thanksgiving in New Orleans, and our record predictions for the season. Oh, and winner buys dinner. All that and more as we get started on Bill's Pod Squad right now. Welcome into this week's episode of Bill's Pod Squad presented by the New York Lottery. Maddie Glab here is your host and I'm joined by Bill's insider Chris Brown and Bill's legend, current Bill's color commentator Eric Wood for a special roundtable edition. Today we are breaking down the 2021 schedule. We have the schedule released on Wednesday night, which is a fun way to get everyone pumped up for September in May. I mean, we're only in May, but it kind of already feels like the... The week one games are right around the corner. I mean, we have rookie mini camp this weekend, things to follow. So uh, a lot of reasons why fans can get excited already for that week one kick. And Eric, we haven't had you on since after the draft. So I first want to get a, a quick take from you on the ACC guys we, we drafted because we drafted Greg Rousseau from Miami, uh, Boogie Basham from Wake Forest, and Damar Hamlin from Pitt. So if you could give us just kind of a quick run rundown from from what you saw of those players when you were covering the ACC this past season yeah I actually covered um, a lot of these guys over the last two years so I had Greg Russo at Miami two years ago he, he obviously opted out on last year but he was so productive as a freshman that you know it wasn't a surprise that when guys started opting out he was one of those guys I actually had the opportunity uh, to talk to him on the phone one-on-one -on -one throughout the week in a non-recorded conversation. And what a pleasant young man he is and, and was when I spoke to him. And it was amazing because the big story that we were kind of focusing on is now he's a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, at the time, probably right around 250 um, as a redshirt freshman. But it wasn't that long ago that he was like a 6'6", 200-pound receiver coming out of high school. And we were talking about his weight room. That was essentially like an old shed outside the back of their high school and that he got to Miami and that he was able to develop because he could actually start working in a weight room. So tons of talent, tons of upside there, really productive as a freshman. They moved him all around. They moved him on stunts. Um, I was always impressed with his effort as well. And you want to talk about effort, the second round guy, Boogie Basham, I called a couple of his games last year and the previous year. And this guy shows up each and every week. He had the longest streak in the country for a tackle for loss for consecutive games and, and it wasn't even close like when it when it finally broke at 20 something games there were the next closest was like four or five like he he was so productive throughout his career um consummate uh i say consummate pro but acted like a pro all throughout his time at wake forest and and if you ever talk to dave clausen their head coach at wake forest about boogie bash all he's going to do is rave about him he is the classic Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean draft selection, a guy that's so respected. You know exactly what you're going to get. He was super productive in college. And then DeMar Hamlin, the same way. I was back at Pitt spring game a few weeks ago calling it for ACC Network, and we were trying to get some guys on. Uh, we wanted to get some um, potential pro prospects. We were talking about Patrick Jones who went a little earlier than him. We were talking about Rashad Weaver who went in the second or third round. And Narduzzi's like, no, 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 get my boy Hamlin on there. He loves DeMar Hamlin. 
And so you have another case of a guy that the coaching staff loved at Pitt. They always would rave about him. He handles himself extremely well. And, and this is a guy. Um, so Paris Ford, their other safety, opted out early, uh, midway through the season last year. And DeMar Hamlin stayed. And I'm like, man, that's weird because I think DeMar Hamlin's a lot better than Paris Ford. Well, he ends up getting drafted earlier than him. And I think DeMar Hamlin is a guy that can stick around in the NFL for a long time maybe develop into a starter, but definitely be a core special teamer, a guy that you could maybe flirt around with in the box, but he'll be a good player and, and, and a guy who I definitely think will make the team next year. Brownie, I'm liking what I'm hearing from Eric Wood about these guys. Those are all rave reviews. <laughs> and next time you talk to Dave Clawson, Eric, you can talk to him about Western New York. He is a Western New York native. He was born in Lewiston, New York up here and went to Lewport High School. So he was all about talking a boogie about Western New York. He's like fired up that one of his players is up here now. Definitely. That's so awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'm su- yeah. I'm surprised that never came up through our conversations because I had him in production meetings multiple times. I'm yeah. going to have to get on him about that. <laughs> it's a small world. There's always some tie to Western New York in every corner of life, I feel like. But the schedule got released, you know, 17 games this season, uh, 18 weeks of the regular season. We don't finish up our regular season until January 9th. So it's going to be quite a long schedule there for the Buffalo Bills with their bye week at week seven. But I want to ask you both, you know, when the schedule gets released, uh, what are some of the first things that you look at on the schedule and what were some of the first things that popped out? Uh, Chris, we can start with you. Yeah, I mean, we always gravitate towards the primetime lineup, right? We want to see what kind of respect are the Bills getting for primetime, you know, showcase-type games. And, you know, they got the same number they got last year, four, which I think is totally fair. The max you can get is five, so you're right there. And then I always look for the clusters of home and away games. And I was surprised because it's the first time it has ever happened on the Bills' schedule Three of their first four are at home, and three of their last four are at home. I think that is a huge opportunity for the Bills to just rack up a cluster of wins at the front and the back end of the schedule. So it enables the Bills the opportunity to get off to a fast start. And if some team in their division is nipping at their heels at the end of the season, I mean, this was a team that was 7-1 and at home last year, Maddie. So I thought that was a huge advantage that the league handed the Bills, knowing how strong a team they were last year. Eric, what about you? What were some of the first things that stood out as the schedule dropped on Wednesday evening? Yeah, as a player, I was always hoping for primetime games. We didn't get a ton of them while I was playing for the Bills, but we were always hoping for primetime games, a chance to put ourselves in the spotlight. Um, I, I was also always looking at where the bye week fell, where the Thursday night game fell, were we playing in Miami early or late in the season. Those were always things I looked at kind of right away. And now as a broadcaster and someone who works for the organization, um, I'm looking for a lot of the same things as Chris is. And for me, you know, the primetime games are great. They're actually more inconvenient when you're working them because, you know, it throws off your schedule. Um, It's hard to commute home and all that. But, man, it's it's great for the Bills organization. You love to see them get that respect that they earn. Um, It's great for – Uh, luring in free agents. It's great for the Bills brand and marketing. I mean, just for the organization for back-to-back years to have four primetime games is, is incredible. It's, it's, it's incredible what they built consider considering five years ago, we weren't getting any or maybe just the mandatory Thursday game. And so now we're seeing the Bills in the spotlight back on Thanksgiving. 
Um, and, and so it's great for the organization. Yeah, I love that Thanksgiving matchup. But that was that was the Buffalo Bills coming out party in 2019, playing against the Dallas Cowboys. Josh Allen had such a great game. It was such a fun game to watch. I, I cannot wait uh, for this year's as well. I do like that it's the night slot. But I want to dig into these primetime games a little bit more. So the Bills got four, but you guys, ten other teams got five primetime games: the Chiefs, the Bucks, you know, duh, Saints, Seahawks, Steelers, Ravens, Rams, 49ers. I think the Bills were deserving of one more primetime game and uh who was at Mike Mor Mike North was on Good Morning Football who helps with the schedule and he said that the Bills because of their season last year were definitely deserving of one more primetime game and a home primetime game because we only have one, one home primetime game this season and I just think about Bills Mafia and how rocking that stadium would be and why wouldn't you want to put one extra primetime game there uh, to get those awesome shots from the broadcast of hopefully a full stadium and whatnot especially maybe late in the season when it's, when it's a cold weather game and you're really you know getting the elements of western New York but he said one reason why they didn't want to schedule the Bills one more primetime game at home at least was because of the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving game. So the, the scheduling of the Thanksgiving game took a little bit more stock in there as, as to four total instead of five. Maybe if they weren't playing on Thanksgiving, they would have a different Thursday night game because uh, he said the Thanksgiving game isn't technically a part of the Thursday night football package. So, I mean, what do you guys think there? There's 10 other teams who got five primetime games and not all 10 are at the Buffalo Bills status. I know this is just going to be my third season with this team. So you you guys know about the type of respect that Buffalo has had to earn, but at this point, I'm saying throw one more on the schedule. Come on. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I see your point, Maddie. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I was just going to say, um, I know a lot of people that we took calls from on One Bills Live after the schedule came out. They were more incensed about the fact that there was only one home primetime game out of the four. They, they were more bothered by that than not getting the maximum of five more than anything else. And I tried to explain to them, if you look at the Bills' schedule, some of their most attractive opponents on the entire schedule, Kansas City, Tennessee, New Orleans, Tampa, and, and New England maybe, okay, and Pittsburgh, almost all of them are away games. And so the most attractive games that you'd put in prime time, unfortunately for the Bills in most cases, are road games. And so I think it's not an it's I don't think it's the league shunning the atmosphere that Western New York and Bills Mafia provides in Orchard Park on a game day. I don't think it's that. I think it's they, they fell victim to the fact that some of their most attractive games just happen to be road games this year more yeah, than anything that's else. That's true. Colts game though. I think the Colts Could are going to be the Colts great game, team but, this year. But the the problem there is two small markets yeah. For a primetime game, and the league will almost never do that. And you coming from big market Chicago should know that. I should that, know Maddie. better. It's just in my blood to think that everybody always gets primetime games because yeah. that's just what I they grew up with. They rarely put two small markets on a primetime game together. Eric, what's your take on that? You think they were deserving of one more, or you kind of you, you understand what, where Chris is coming from in that, hey, they don't have the best opponents at home. It's not their fault. No, I see Chris's point exactly, and I see the point that you made as well, Maddie. When you look at what the Bills did last year, and they're playing in the AFC Championship game, they have the runner-up for the MVP and Josh Allen last year. They're an exciting team. 
Um, they bring a lot to the table in that primetime spot. And, and with the attention that they've been getting nationally, you would assume that they would get more primetime games, more at home. But I think, like you said, Chris, it's more predicated on the opponents and the two small markets when you look at the indie game. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. Um, game on the schedule you are looking forward to most. What is it, Chris? Go first. And you guys can overlap if you want. Um, but there's some great ones. Yeah, game I'm looking forward to the most. I guess I would pick Tennessee because yeah. I really see Ooh. that as an even bigger revenge game than the Kansas City game because I think they know they went down there in what turned out to be a wacky week due to COVID. And you're playing this team. No, you're playing that team. Oh, uh, the game's the day after tomorrow. You got to go play them on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Go get them. And I think they felt they were all out of sorts. Yeah. And that was their stinker last year. And I think they know they're capable of doing better against that team. And now the Tennessee, in my estimation, has fallen back to the pack a little bit more Mm -hmm. with some of their turnover that they had on their roster in this past offseason, I got to tell you, I think the Bills just want to put an absolute butt whooping on them uh, in week six, and I am fully anticipating that, so I am looking forward to that for those reasons. That game pissed me off so much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I still My blood is boiling now thinking about that. Well, that's why I'm looking that. forward to and it. That's played, my game. Oh, they played the victim card like it was, you know, woe is me. You know, everybody's hating on us, but we're the one who had the COVID outbreak, and we're the one who has, has changed so many different games in the NFL during that time. But anywho, what about you, Eric? Yeah, that stunk the cover after that game. One, it was super late, um, and, and we were doing the post-game coverage, and the Bills had been riding so high, and that was kind of their first clunker of the year, and then everybody wanted to pile on Josh Allen immediately, and, and then he goes on to redeem himself the rest of the year. But, you know, I think when you look at it, um, you know, the Tampa game, you know, the Chiefs, Chiefs matchup, I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to how they match up against the Chiefs again. Um, what's the difference there from last year to this year? And, and I know we have um, some more talk on that down the road that I'm that I'm eyeballing. So I'll leave some of my comments there. Um, and then when you look at that New England game at home, there's just so much pressure almost on the Bills because they're the better team. And New England owned them for so long. And when you get them in primetime at home, you got to go smack them on a national stage. Yeah, I think mine is is the Chiefs. I, I like that we're getting them at week five. I like that it's our their our first primetime game of the season. You have four weeks to kind of get ready for this team. You might be catching them earlier on enough to where maybe they still need to iron some things out in week five, but maybe not. I would hope that the Bills are ready to go by week five, but I feel like the third time is a charm for this team. I don't see our coaching staff not dialing up the perfect game plan for the third time that they're going to face this team, you know, in, in the last this past season and this season. So I would expect um, a good showing from the Buffalo Bills. But, I mean, I think back to when we played them in the AFC Championship game. And, again, the, the Bills just didn't look like themselves in a lot of ways in that game. So the coach could, the coaching staff could dial up a perfect plan. It's on the yeah. players to actually follow through and with I, it. And I want to follow up on that with Eric because if there's one thing that Kansas City did, it, their offensive line is arguably better now than mm-hmm. it was last year with all the additions they made. Joe Tooney and, uh, you know, the guy they just uh, – who was the left tackle? They Kyle signed? Long. Kyle yeah, Long. they got Orlando Kyle Brown. Long coming out of retirement. That's a that was a bonus, <laughs> and then they got Orlando Brown. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Eric, 
pulling all that together by week five? What do you think? I mean, you got talented players, but new guys in new spots working together after never doing it before. What do you think? Do you think they can still be working out some kinks that might be an advantage to Buffalo? I don't know. Yeah, I think they could be. And, and when you look at Kyle Long, I thought he was an excellent player when he was playing for the Bears. But how does he do after a year off? He was extremely dinged up throughout his NFL career yeah. prior to that year off. Did it rejuvenate him? Does his body feel better? There's a lot of factors going in there to see if he's going to be that caliber. And whenever you look at like an Orlando Brown, yes, a very good player. But what was the reason they traded him? You know, was there something there? Did they know something? So we'll see how effective he is. What I want to see in that game is how these new draft picks, the new scheme, what this Bills front seven or really front six can do against Kansas City because you can either load the box, take away the run game, or even just play it normal and just hope you don't get smoked on the outside. And, and that's pretty much what happened on the AFC Championship game. It's just so hard to keep up with all their talent at receiver and, and tight end uh, realistically. What Tampa did was play cover two and say our – front six because they stayed a nickel our front six can stop your run game and apply tr and apply pressure and they did and now you had a lot of um overhaul in the offensive line because of that but now you have added draft picks along the defensive line you have star latula coming back can this front six get it done against kansas city similar to the way tampa did and and that's to be seen but when you look at linebacker talent the Bills sure have the talent at linebacker. Does a third year Ed Oliver make the same jump in year three that you see a lot of NFL guys make? Potentially. Does added depth at defensive end give Jerry and Mario more time to rest where they play fresher and they're more active and more disruptive? Potentially. But I want to see it happen in week five. I mean, you bring up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that was the game that, Eric, you said you were looking forward to. Chris, when you think about the Bucs, we can get into some of these tougher opponents here. What sticks out to you about this matchup? I mean, they return all of their starters. Yeah. You have Tom Brady. You have Gronk. Two players who a lot of – has anybody on this current roster beaten um, when when they were a part of the Patriots, probably well, Gronk. But yeah, and they, you know, Brady played. Brady was out one of the games yeah. that we beat the Patriots. Yeah. So yeah, no. It's, um. it's a chance. It's a chance <laughs> no. to get at those two. Um, I remember when Brady got traded. When Brady went to the Bucks, and Tre'Davious White was asked about it, and he said, "I mean, yeah, it's nice that he's out of our division, but I also wanted to beat Tom Brady in our division, and, and they get a chance to." to possibly do that here during I think, the season. I think you're hoping, because <laughs> yeah. I think Tampa Bay has the most complete roster in football, uh, certainly in the NFC, and it's not even close in that conference. And I think that late in the season, you're hoping they're dinged up maybe. Uh, it would be excellent if Devin White wasn't playing because he is ridiculous. Yes. Um, might be the best linebacker in football. Yeah. He is insane. He runs like a DB and hits like a linebacker, and he's the ultimate defensive weapon, as I see it, at the second level of any defense in the league. And then Levante David, even though he's a little long in the tooth, can still cover ground. Um, they, those two guys were the key to their back seven coverage plan in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Um, their, their front four certainly helped those guys, but, man, they are such a complete group, and, and Brady is still Brady. And so I think that game is it's going to be really tough. 
Like if you're looking down the schedule and, it's the, and it's you're going to give end the Bills of their tough stretch too. Yeah, if if you're going to give the Bills like three losses, everybody's probably picking Tampa as one of those three losses. If you're going to lose a game, it's probably that one because I think the Bills have to play their absolute level yep. best, and I think Tampa's going to have to be a little bit off their game for the Bills to win that one down there uh, in that week. And yeah, then, you're also talking about a 44-year-old quarterback in week 12. You know, yeah. I, I love Tom Brady and respect him more than anybody and, and what he's done in his career. But you're talking about a, 40, a guy that's going to be 44 years old in week 12, and I'm not saying he's going to have a year like Drew Brees did last year, but you saw what age can do to an yeah. older QB later in the year if they get dinged up. It can kind of pile on them. And we'll hit on one more of these tough opponents. I mean, the Saints on Thanksgiving at their place going to be an exciting matchup. This is a team um, that has a lot of question marks going into the season. I mean, Drew Brees has retired, so you have Jameis Winston who heads into his seventh season. You have Taysom Hill who is a part of the game plan. It'll be interesting to see how how they work those two in together. If they do, um, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be playing against his former team, so maybe we'll get some good advice from him. Um, but in free agency, they didn't use it to do really anything. They used it to save money if they could because they were the team who had to cut the most, I think, $100 million almost yeah. to stay under the cap there uh, to make sure they had enough to, to sign all, all their rookies. And Michael Thomas, he only played in seven games last season, had only 438 receiving yards, but you look at his – season in 2019 where he had more than 1700 so I think this game uh, is gonna present a lot of interesting factors especially it being you know um, more than midway through the season so you think each team would maybe be a well-oiled machine by then depending on how things are working uh, for the Saints and for the Bills Uh, but Chris what when you see this game on Thanksgiving what are some other things that uh, stick out to you here about the matchup yeah I think your point is well taken that you know both teams will be pretty settled in in terms of who they are and what they are at that point in the season and I think Sean Payton's going to come to the realization rather quickly that they're going to have to probably hang 30 points on opponents every single week if they want to win more games than they lose because I think what what goes by the board with all the cutting that they had to do off of their books business-wise was all the talent they lost on the defensive side Mm -hmm. of the ball that was a top 10 passing defense last year not that that was a problem when Josh, Josh Allen faced top 10 passing offense, defenses last year. He was like 6-1 and one against him. But they don't have uh, Hendrickson. He's in Cincinnati. He was arguably their most effective pass rusher last year. Yes, they signed Tano Passigno in free agency away from Kansas City, but he is, he is a step or two down from what Hendrickson is as a pass rusher. Cameron Jordan's getting long in the tooth. I don't think he's the player he used to be. The guy that started opposite Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, is in Tennessee, mm-hmm. a free agency departure. Um, and even at linebacker, Anzalone is gone. So there are a lot of holes that they have to fill, presumably with young players on rookie contracts. And while they'll probably be up to speed by week 12, 13, I don't know that they're going to be as an effective un- as effective a unit this year as they were last year. And so <laughs> they're going to have to win shootouts if they want to win more than they lose this year. And, and I actually don't even have them making the playoffs next year. I think New Orleans is going to miss the playoffs, and wow. I think Atlanta is going to miss the playoffs from that division. So I don't know if Eric feels differently, but what do you think, Eric? No, I'm with you. I mean, when you look at it, it's going to be 
almost well extremely similar to what the Patriots had to deal with last year when you're moving on from your longtime quarterback and what's your succession plan and what's it look like uh Jameis Winston kind of presents the Cam Newton um type deal where you have a veteran presence but to me they're they're likely going to roll with Taysom Hill they've paid him so much money and then what's that offense look like they're going to be extremely creative but to me that's an interesting primetime matchup that they put it there because you know besides the Saints being at home on primetime and and the Superdome's loud down there you know I've, I've played in it a couple times but Beyond that, you know, I, I see this as, as probably a, a touchdown point spread when you look at uh, what the point spreads are when you uh, get the initial release. And then just moving outside of these tougher opponents, what's maybe an opponent that isn't going to be, you know, you look at this opponent and say, dang, this is going to be a tough matchup. This could be a loss for the Bills. What is like a sneaky good matchup that you think could test the Bills and they even go beyond the Colts. What's, what's a team that maybe isn't going to do that good but could come on strong in the second half of the season that you're looking at the schedule saying, eh, this could be a tougher test for Buffalo. Chris, you can start. I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll give Eric first crack at this. Okay. But I'll be mad if you take my good. team, Eric. <laughs> well, I was going to say good because if you, ta- if you took mine, I was going to be super upset because, I, 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 one, I, I wanted to cover this one. Um, I'll go with the Washington football team. Okay. They have pass rushers that can disrupt an mm-hmm. offense. They have enough talent on the defensive side of the football. They are riding high from a playoff appearance. Now the record didn't, you know, necessarily right. generate, you know, the record may not have been worthy of a playoff spot if they weren't in that NFC East. But when you look at it, you know, it's a team that bonded together. They fought for Ron Vera. And then you bring in my boy Fitz, who gets guys to play even harder. And We're really you surprised by you, that. You wanted him to come back to Buffalo when we didn't have a backup quarterback. You're like, oh, maybe Fitz can come back here. <laughs> who, Chris or me? No, you did. You wanted. It. You were talking about him as I a backup option. I know I did. That's my boy. Uh, but when you look at it, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to come in here. Uh, he's going to come back to Buffalo, and he's going to try and put on a show. And, you know, to me, I don't think it's a game the Bills lose. I just think when you look at the schedule and you're not considering all the factors, you would look past that game. And I think it's probably a little tougher game than it, than it appears. Yeah. Like Good that. defensive front for sure. Yeah. That wasn't my pick, though. So I'm happy. I wonder um, if we'll have the same pick. My pick is the Carolina Panthers. Oh. Um, the reason why is I actually took time to look at this roster build that Matt Rule has undertaken, mm-hmm. and after another good draft, it's pretty damn impressive. I have to say, um, they quietly acquired David Moore in free agency, the third receiver from Seattle. He comes in. He's probably going to play a slot role for them to go with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Those are good weapons for Sam Darnold to hit the ground running with. And then they drafted Terrence Marshall, the talented kid, out of LSU. They have a good offensive line. They franchise Taylor Moten to keep him where he is. Uh, and they've got their second-round pick from 2019, whose name is escaping me to play left tackle. Was it so Chung? They, they've got – say it again? Chung? Patrick Chung? No, that's – that's not the, the name I'm thinking of. Uh, but anyway, they have a good left tackle, too. Their defense, strong front seven. I think their defense is underrated. Derek Brown, Brian Burns. You got Shaq Thompson, and then the free agent signee, Hassan Reddick, rejoins his college coach, Rule, who he coached at Temple. And then on the back end, Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn, and Jeremy Chin 
I mean, athletes all over the place. So I think they're going to get a wild card spot out of the NFC South. I still think Tampa wins the division down there, but I think Carolina beats out both New Orleans and Atlanta. They qualify for a wild card in the NFC. I think they're going to give the Bills all they can handle in that game late in the season. I still think the Bills win, but I think it's going to be a really tight game. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of, Jeremy Chin. He was one of my favorite players from that draft class, yeah. not this year, but the season before. I'm going to say the Falcons. I know really? they didn't have the best season, but I'm thinking you get them that late in the season. So so we're going to play the Falcons week 17. And I'm really making this decision because they have Kyle Pitts, and I know how mm. much we struggled covering the tight end this past season. Um Will we have a? Will our defense have a better way with tight ends this season? To be determined. But if Kyle Pitts uh, has the season or, or has, has the start to his career that people are expecting him to, and it's week 17, you you think he would be flourishing by then or coming on strong at that point in the season? I mean, Matt Ryan always throws for a crap ton of yards, so that plays to his favor. Um, you know, Julio Jones only played in, in nine games this past year. The question to ask here, though, Maddie, is will Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones be able to feel their fingers on January 2nd in Buffalo after playing the bulk That's of their true. season in a dome? That's true. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Kyle Pitts, the University of Florida grad. The, the Florida yeah. grad. He is a, All right, he you is guys a Philadelphia, are He is a Philadelphia native, so he has experienced winter, but not in some time. Yeah. I mean, who gotcha. Jones And Greg, Greg Little is the guy you were talking about, Chris. Greg Little. Greg, thank you, Eric. I, could, you I knew I could count on you to remember alignment. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the, the Falcons. Who, who knows? But I look at some of their offensive weapons that they yeah. have and, they and what points. they could do. Yeah. I mean, Julio Jones in 2019 had almost 1,400 receiving yards. And then the season before that, he had uh, close to 1,700 in, in 2018. So they could do some damage when it comes to scoring points. Um, are they going to be throwing the football at that point, depending on the weather? That's another could be a weather question. game, yeah. Uh, you could be trying to run yeah. the football in that game for sure. Um, but moving I'm on. I'm surprised no one said the Texans. <laughs> I'm out on them. <laughs> yeah, that's a little sticky. Yeah. That could be a that could be a Tyrod return game. Good. <laughs> could be. Could with, be a with, da with David Cully, with yeah, there quarterbacks coach David Cully coming back. Um, okay. It's like uh, old home days with the home schedule here. You look at the away games on the schedule. I last season's away games. They were pretty great. They were a lot of great games that you could travel to and, and tailgate at. But, of course, nobody was going to football games last season because of COVID. Hopefully this season uh, our fans can travel to games. I mean, you have some awesome matchups, the Chiefs, the Titans, the Jaguars. Um, if you want to go somewhere warm, the Bucks, um, the Saints. What is your favorite game that we are traveling to on the schedule and we're thinking like fans here? Yeah, like 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 fans. What do you think would be the best game to travel to as a fan? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go based off the opinions of basically half my neighborhood. Nashville. It's Nashville. <laughs> yeah. It's not even close. Everybody I look, we work here at One Bills Drive, so naturally we are getting peppered with text messages yeah. all week like, "Hey, if you were a betting man, uh, would you say that the Titans game is going to be in the first half of the season or the last half of the season?" I need and to I have to go time. delete, delete, <laughs> delete um, because, you know, they think I've got the schedule like 4 days in advance and, you know, I'm not I, I don't have that, but uh, 
safe to say everybody wants to go to Nashville. Um, I will say this, though. It was interesting that we got a lot of calls on One Bills Live this week. People, a lot of fans, were, they saw that for the first time ever, the Bills are playing all three Florida-based teams on the road this year. And they're like, hey, do you think the league might schedule two of the Florida teams back-to-back so I can spend a whole week down Ooh. there and go to two Bills road games in the state of Florida? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're thinking about that. But that was on the minds schedule. of a lot of Bills fans, too. Oh, my gosh. Eric, what's yours? Yeah, I, I like Tampa in December. So I, I'm with you, Chris. Nashville is an incredible town. But a lot of Bills fans have been there. So I'm trying to get them yeah. a little outside the box. Go down to Tampa to create an atmosphere down there. You get out of the cold for a few days in December. That would be a good one. Obvi- obviously, Nashville um, would be um, in, in the tops there. When you look at New Orleans, that'd be Thanksgiving. So do you want to leave town on Thanksgiving? But New Orleans is a incredible host city for sporting events because if you stay in the French Quarter, you could French Quarter, you can walk to the Superdome and yeah. back. So you really don't even have to get Ubers or anything. Um, it makes for an incredible host city. And then if you haven't been to Kansas City, Arrowhead is a really cool stadium. Obviously that would be an electric atmosphere there. Get you some good barbecue. Bill's yes. fans that haven't been there, I'd recommend that one as well. Yeah, the one thing about New Orleans that I think we need to consider here, what is the biggest bar night of the year? Blackout Wednesday. The night before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Now, think about this. Bill's Mafia, the night before Thanksgiving, and not having to worry to show up for kickoff until 8.20 p.m. on Thanksgiving. That is a potential trifecta combination of partying proportions like we have never witnessed before, not to mention the fact that almost everybody will not be working the next day. That's so true. All right, give me your best, your best conversation or your best um, whatever you would say to try and convince your wife that you're going to New Orleans for Thanksgiving. Uh, how, I have how would to you work con- it how would you convince? Excuse. No, as as a fan, how would oh, you convince no. your wife the, that the that we're con- taking the family yeah, the to only, New Orleans yeah, for Thanksgiving? That's the only way to convince her. Give a little blueprint. Yeah. I was yeah, I was going to say, you either bring your wife yeah. or you set up something where you agree to go to your in-laws for a certain <laughs> amount of years in a row as payback. If you can go down to the game solo with your boys or, hey, we'll do some big elaborate deal on Sunday instead of Thursday. We can have both your in-laws yeah. and your in-laws and our family over and do a joint Thanksgiving together for the first time because usually it's separate. But you're gonna have to get creative because that's gonna be a yeah. tough sell. There's there's a Caribbean there's, really, there's a Caribbean vacation in in re, to reciprocate. That's the only way that's happening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and not not that I would know, but there is no worse hangover than a New Orleans hangover because every drink down there has so a million grams of sugar in it. It's so sweet, and then the hangover's so bad because the street's so dirty. I like how I gave the sell for New Orleans, and now I'm bashing uh, how tough it is uh, to wake up in New Orleans. But the smell of the streets the next day, because they oh. just like they take these big, I guess, like trucks and just hose down the street and it stinks. It's 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 a rough one in the morning. It's a cesspool. But it's like a cesspool. Can rally, I guarantee it. Yeah, wow. I, I am proud of the fact that I did stick to the best advice I ever got before I went the first time, which was the hurricane is going to taste fantastic and you're want to you're going to want to get a second one. And you should not do it. Never, ever. 
have the second hurricane because the first one is, well, for a lightweight like me, is, is enough. So if you get a second one, you will be flying and struggling to walk. So I am glad I adhered to that. Wow. Um, and fortunately for me, it, the game that Eric played in in 2013 was a 4 o'clock start. So. And the one rule is, for Bills fans out there, if they offer a shot of Bacardi 151 as an add-on, you have to take it. You have to take it. 151. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Because they added on to the hurricane. It actually makes it taste a little better. It cuts down on the sweetness and touch. Definitely makes it stronger too. I don't know if I could turn down a second hurricane if the first one tasted really good. All right. What is the position matchup you're looking forward to most? So let's go inside a couple teams and, and name some players that you're excited for our players to go up against. Who wants to start this one? Um, Michael Thomas, Trey White. Yeah. That's must-see football. Mm -hmm. I think that one's a, a There's real. There's a bunch. Just that's an easy one there. that jumps out. Yeah. There's a lot of receiver, you know, DB matchups that, you know, you can come up with uh, on here. I'm trying to think of something besides receiver DB because that gets so much publicity. Um, yeah, let me, give, let me give White a couple. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, let me give a couple matchups up front that will be good. You're, you're looking at a excellent Steelers defense in week one. Everyone's going to be fresh. They'll have all their linebackers back. We expose their linebackers. Um, the passing lanes might not be open as fast this time because of that. Can we still hold up at tackle versus their pass rushers and especially uh, T.J. Watt when you look at that? And then I mentioned earlier, Kansas City. If we are going to get over the hump against Kansas City defensively and slow that offense down, I think Sorry, I know that the defensive line is going to have to be disruptive with a four-man rush. And if they can't do it in week five, there's going to be something that needs to happen. You're going to have to do something come playoff time, assuming you're going to match up with them again in the playoffs. They're the two best teams in the AFC the way I'm looking at it right now. And so you want to see in week five, can we hold up with our front four on defense against Kansas City? Yeah, Chase Young, Deion Dawkins, mm -hmm. that's another one, week three. Um, there's plenty to choose from here. Plenty Alvin, Alvin from. Kamara against our defensive yeah. line, Najee Harris against our defensive line, Julio Jones, Trey White, um, Mike Evans, Trey White, yeah. Shaq Barrett, Devin White against our offense, yeah. um, Emmanuel Sanders against his old team. Julio Jones. And then Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson against our defense. Can our defense pick these young quarterbacks apart? That'll be another interesting matchup to see against some of these teams. But now that I mention um, Zach Wilson, what are your thoughts here on the AFC East this season? I mean, the Jets still, they're probably still a couple of years from putting this thing together, but but they do have a good draft. I mean, they have Robert Sala. Um, he seems like he's putting together what will be a good roster in the next couple of years. The Miami Dolphins, they, they're trying to surround, surround Tua with a bunch of weapons to see if he can do it. Uh, they draft Jalen Waddell, one of his former teammates, um, the Patriots spend all the money that they could spend in free agency. <laughs> they have two really good tight ends who, who we struggled to cover this past season. Uh, and they have all those players who opted out that are returning on defense. So this could be a tough team to beat. But there's question marks at quarterback kind of for all of these teams. I mean, you have newer quarterbacks with, with the Dolphins and, and Zach Wilson here. Does Mac Jones see the field at all this season for the Patriots to be determined? Um, but what are some of um, – 
your thoughts on, on the AFC East and, and how it's also stacked on the schedule. I think it's kind of interesting that we're not going to see the Patriots until week 13. That's, that's a little nuts. Yeah, I think that pretty much guarantees that the Bills are going to see Mac Jones at quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones is a starting quarterback week one. Wow. I was convinced last year that Cam Newton is no longer starting quarterback material in this league. Um, can he get you through some games? Can you run an offense a certain way to take advantage of his strengths? Yes. Um, I think they tried to sign tight ends with the idea in mind, like, hey, let's help Cam because he can throw to the middle of the field. But I think what Mac Jones has between the ears and how jo uh, McDaniels wants to get back, supposedly, to how he ran the offense under Brady, that screams Mac Jones to me. And I think with what that kid has between the years, I think he'll be consistent enough to be a quarterback manager uh, in his rookie season. And believe it or not, a game manager is a step up from what they got from Newton last year. So wouldn't shock me if he's in the game. And if he starts earlier in the season, by the time the Bills see him, he'll, have, he'll be settled in and be comfortable. So I think it'll make that game more interesting than maybe it looks on the surface. And I think we know that their defense is going to be decidedly better with you know the opt-outs like Dante Hightower mm -hmm. coming back, some of the draft picks that they got who are going to play a lot of minutes like Christian Barmore, you know, that defensive tackle they got from Alabama, even Ronnie Perkins as a role-playing you know, pass rush specialist uh, who they got at the end of the third round. Um, that New England game, because it is so late, could be a little sneaky because yeah. I don't have to tell Eric this, but Patriots teams tend to hit their stride and are noticeably better in November and December typically than they are earlier in the season. Yeah, and I don't know if that was a New England thing or a Brady thing. The debate continues, and that's yeah. part of the, one of the things so intriguing about the Tampa game in December is if it's Brady, then that's then you got the unfortunate task of getting Brady in December. But um, I, I'm with you. I mean, the the quarterback picture in the AFC East, besides with the Bills, is is kind of up in the air. Obviously, you know, two is going to start down in Miami, but what kind of player are you going to get from him in year two this year? Is it going to be more consistent when you don't have Fitz waiting in the wings to come in whenever uh, Flores decides to pull the string on him down there? And so does he gain more confidence from that, knowing that he could settle into the game and, and not be pulled after one mistake? Who knows? Zach Wilson with the Jets, that's intriguing. Obviously some talent there, um, you know, drafted so high. But when you look at it, I don't, I don't see the roster being able to compete this year for the division. And then the X factors, new England, what are you going to get from all these guys you signed? And, and they're, this, this breaks the mold on new England. And when you look at free agency every year, they avoid these big signings. And then this year they went after them all. Uh, I think it's one, I mean, uh, this is a think and not know as opposed to some of my earlier takes, you know, it's one of those deals where I think uh, Belichick was so offended that Brady went out and won a Super Bowl. He said, okay, well, now I have to go get some wins and prove myself. I'm going to go actually spend some money in free agency. And, and there was no way of them knowing that Mac Jones was going to fall all the way into the draft. But at this point, I'm with you, Chris. I think Mac Jones is the starter day one with Jared Stidham as the backup. And I think you take Cam Newton off the roster and just say, hey, we were going to install one offense this year, not two. Not one for yeah. Stidham, one for Newton. Yeah. We are going to install one offense so we can be actually really good at it. And tight ends are a young quarterback's best friend, and so they, they got two really good ones now. Yeah, and they only guaranteed $3.5 million of Cam's $12.5 million or whatever the heck he got. 
that is a pittance when you think about everything that they spent. Mm -hmm. So it might be like, hey, Cam, thanks for doing everything yeah. and blah, blah, blah. See but we got to go with the kid and we got to move forward. And the one thing that I do like about the division schedule in terms of how it lines up is they get Miami early, mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing for the Bills because they've got a lot of new pieces they're trying to fit together on the defensive side of the ball. Not necessarily a corner. Those two guys are still there, but they've got a new safety in McCourty. They've got new linebackers, and they have new guys up front rushing the passer. That's a lot mm -hmm. to fit together. And by week two, I'm not convinced it's going to be all humming. Uh, so that's an advantage for the Bills offense, I think getting them early week seven might be a different story but that week two game with the continuity that the bills bring into the season i think it's advantage bills in week two for sure against miami and i agree with you maddie i think the best thing that the jets did was hire robert Sala. Yeah. that is the best head coaching hire they dude. have made since herm edwards i mean that he is a really yeah. really good builder um I kind of think he's a lot like Coach McDermott. I think they're wired much the same way in how to build it and having a vision. It's going to take some time. They're, they're behind everybody else in the division right now. All right, let's end this podcast. You want to do a little bit of record prediction? We could do over-under. We could predict the record. Yeah. Let's do it. Eric, you want to start us? You want to yeah, but just like our roundtable uh, prior to the games, Chris, there's got to be a wager. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, like um, – are we allowed Whoever's to go out to dinner yet during COVID here? Like, what the heck can we do now? Well, we'll say, we'll say, yeah. Well, first round of the playoffs is the Bills get in, the three of us go out to eat, and whoever's the furthest off on the record gets to buys pick up the, the meal. check. Okay. All right. I'm, I can do that. Okay. You want to okay, start? Okay, I'll start there? off, and, and no one can repeat it. You can't repeat someone else's. No I'll start fair. Off. Oh, wow. I'll say, I, I, <laughs> I'm making the rules here, so I get to go first. Uh, Actually, ladies first. Go ahead, Maddie. All right. I am going to say, let's see. I just did the wins, so I might up mine. I was going to say subtract that from 17. I'm going to do <laughs> – yeah, I'm not, I'm not good at math. Um, I'm going to do 13. 13 wins. So that would be 13 and 4. Okay. Over to you, Eric. We'll go youngest to oldest here, Chris. Um, yeah, thank you. Then give me, <laughs> give me 12, and if the Bills go to 14, I'll gladly buy dinner at the end of the year. Okay. Well, you've left me no choice then. I have to go 14 and 3. Ah! So I will go 14 but and now, 3. Yeah. Yeah, so. I have no margin Maddie, for error. And Maddie's actually, unless she hits it on the head, I guess you can't lose, Maddie, can you? Well, yeah, because we're both around her is what you're saying. Well, actually, yeah, she can't lose. Well, no, she can because what if, if they only win 11 or they win four, if they win 12, you win. If they win 14, I win. And if they win 15, I win. And if they win 11, you win. But I said whoever's the furthest off buys them. Oh, furthest She's in the middle. Off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Let's not do furthest off. It's if you get it's the number right. or not. That's fine. I'm, so I'm the other probably buying anyway. I'm going. I'm, I'm either going to look really smart or I'm going to be out of a lot of money. We have a. You realize we're taking an offensive lineman to dinner, Maddie. You realize this, right? I'm scared. I mean, I know he's a slim it's down a offensive lineman offensive now. But Come I, on I've now. seen. I've seen some of the sushi layouts <laughs> on Instagram. I mean, it's not quite the size of the Rock's cheat meals, but it's not far off. 
Sushi yeah, I can still eat, and um, I'll make sure I get some wine advice from uh, the high ups, just oh, so I know what, what the good wine is too. Yeah. Oh man, not on my salary, friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who are you talking to? Just don't skip lunch, Eric. I don't all got right? that just don't NFL skip lunch. money saved up. <laughs> That's all you. I feel like we're, now we're I know what a rookie now right now, now, now I know what a rookie right feels now. like in the O line room. Now I know what a rookie feels like in the O line room. Yeah, buy all the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they got to buy first meal after yeah. they sign their contract, and that's and they purposely try to punish the poor rookie's wallet, like they beat it to a pulp. Oh man! But and I think I might have said this on this podcast before. If not, I definitely said it on my own. Shameless plug. Um, but one thing I would tell guys that when we would do our rookie night, I would always say, I've, I've gone out to eat with all of you guys and your wives, if you're married, your girlfriends, if you wouldn't order it when you go out with them, then don't expect the rookie to pay for it because that's garbage. Like that's like, we are going out to eat. If you wouldn't order it yourself and pay for it, why do you want, why do you expect someone else to pay for it? And I think the rookies always appreciated that. I know they did, but to me, it was always a bad look when someone would order, um, you know, Wagyu filet. And I'm like, you've never ordered Wagyu for yourself. Why do you want them to pay for it? Why, why do I think? Me. Why do I think this is a prime example of you policing Richie Incognito? Because I could see Richie going Wagyu beef. Am am I close? But am I will I... say. But I will say this: <laughs> Richie would pay for it himself. There's oh, a big he would. Difference. Okay. All right. All I'm right, talking about enough. the cheapskates that would order a seafood tower on the rookie, oh, but they man. would never in a million years order a seafood tower when they go out to eat and they're paying for the bill. Yeah. Seafood tower. Ooh, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, well, we have definitely moved off the topic of Let's the, have the schedule the release, but that's the great thing of podcasts. <laughs> you can talk about anything, go anywhere. We did our record predictions. We broke it all down. And guys, thanks for taking the time to get through the schedule with me. 2021 season, a lot of anticipation. It's going to be an exciting one. I know we are all looking forward to everything getting started. That means we're going to be a lot more busy, but that's a good thing. That's fine. It's like Bart Scott said, can't wait. Eric, we hope to see you in Buffalo Absolutely. soon. I know, I know you were in Kentucky the whole time, so hopefully you'll be in Buffalo regularly now. I know. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to get back up there. I love the summertime in Buffalo, so hopefully I get up there before too long. Definitely. And thanks, to everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Bill's Pod Squad. Stay tuned for more episodes to come.